Pangarang Radio, Pangarang Radio, PangarangRadio.com. I'm going out, I gotta go. I'll Pangarang on the radio. So turn it up, I'm telling you. I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya. Listening to Pop Punk and Pizza with Jacques Lamour. Hello, hello. Sit down, grab a slice, and let's hang out and talk pop punk. I'm Jacques Lamour. I don't know how much pop punk we're talking about today, but uh, today's episode is actually more for like bands. And I know there's a lot of bands or band members that listen to this podcast. So this one is really for you because we really dive deep into songwriting and what it's like to develop a band and being persistent and all those types of things. So we get kind of technical and and, uh, wordy into uh, the business of of developing a band. So if uh, you're into that sort of thing, this episode is right up your alley. But real quick, um, before I introduce today's guest, um, check out our brand new website. I just launched it a couple days ago poppunkpizzapod.com you can catch up on all the episodes of the podcast there also get some merch we do uh, have limited edition halloween merch available until october 31st so if you're listening to this on the day it's released there's only like eight days left or so to uh, buy some of that merch and that is um, how I keep the lights on here on the podcast. So if uh, you want to buy something, please do. If you already did, uh, if you already bought something, thank you so much for that. But go to poppunkpizzapod.com, listen to the podcast, buy the merch, make sure at checkout you use that promo code poppunk to get $2 off your order. So, um, and then we'll get a little bit of funding here at the door and can keep doing this awesome stuff. So I just want to give you a heads up about that. So our special guest today is songwriter, producer, A&R executive, Lauren Israel. The guy, his name is behind so many well-known acts, including Jimmy World, Less Than Jake, Neon Trees, Plain White Tees from my home turf here in the Chicagoland area. And it was a pleasure to talk to Lauren about songwriting, about his involvement with Jimmy World's album Bleed American. I had to ask him about that record a little bit since he was involved with it because it's one of my favorite albums of all time. It will forever be in my top 10. It's just an amazing record. So we talk about how, you know, the music business hasn't really changed. Like, it's changed, but the single-driven format hasn't changed so much. We get really technical about songwriting and developing and pushing singles versus pushing albums and and how all those things are connected. It was really interesting to hear his take on this stuff. I know I really, uh, it made me think twice about certain things. So this episode is more for, like, if you're in a band and you're trying to develop your band or you're trying to write that song that'll really grab a people's attention. Well, it starts here with Lauren, and it might be something you could go into further and actually hire Lauren to work with you, because 
that's what he does. He consults, he writes songs, he develops. So, you know, you can always um, reach out to him after uh, listening to this podcast if you think, you know what, I'm going to see if we can work together if he's interested. So if you are interested in working with Lauren Israel, uh, his email account is laurenisrael at gmail.com. Lauren is uh, L-O-R-E-N, then I-S-R-A-E-L. And uh, he'll be happy to uh, know that you listen to the podcast and that you're interested in working with him. So without further ado, producer, A&R executive, Lauren Israel. I just love the people of Chicago. I love the city. Um, but you're you're outside of it a little bit. Yeah, I'm outside of it. But I mean, you know, I, I've I go to this. Well, not with COVID lately, but, uh, you know, I frequent the city, go to a lot of shows there. I'm involved with a lot of, you know, I'm involved with that scene um, in Chicago. You know, most of the uh, a lot of the bands on the podcast are usually from you know, the Chicago area scene. So I'm, you know, I, I try to keep myself well-versed in, in, you know, what's going on. But I uh, I didn't realize that you were connected with the dog and everything, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I, I have a funny story for you. So um, there was a part of that movement. And by the way, should we start our thing and sort of... Yeah, let's, let's just go into it, man. But I got to okay. hear this story. Well, why don't we do it on air? Yeah, I mean, I'm recording right now, so great, great. so we're all we're all ready to go. In that scene, there were Lucky Boys, Confusion, who were at the time the biggest band, and the Dog and Everything, um, who were kind of second bill, um, and then Plain White Tees, um, and then from the Plain White Tees, there was a band called the Scissors, but um, yes big fan of um, the dog and everything. And they had a song that I remember um, I played for my boss when I was an A&R guy at Capitol Records. And um, we were this close to offering them a record deal. Um, but I, I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. And I, um, I know they've gone through several um, places in their career and i know that um dan is working very closely with tom higginson of the plain white tees but i I, there was a a great i was traveling there four five six times a year from la so i became um just a fan of everything in that scene um what other bands were in that scene um uh another band that i remember loving from that time was uh, Penny and the Loafers. And they, oh um, my God, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. God, um, yeah. There was also a, a Swizzle Tree, Swizzle I think. Tree. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a time when um, it was so, it, the fans were so, there's such a great connection between the Chicago fans and all these bands from the suburbs. It was it was truly awesome. It was a really cool time. Yeah, it, it really was. It was special. I was I was lucky enough to just kind of 
be a part of a little bit of that or just experience a little bit, I should say, because uh, the only reason I know about that is my oldest brother was in a band and he played a show with the dog and everything outside of Chicago. They came down and played close to our area and my brother's band ended up getting on the show and that's how I was introduced to them and and then eventually got introduced to some of those other bands that we just mentioned. Um, so, you know, if it wasn't for me tagging along with my oldest brother, I, I would have totally missed. By the um, way, I had to tag along with the the older guy in the neighborhood in order to do things. I totally get it. But isn't, that, <laughs> isn't that the great thing about coming up in being a music fan or being a musician? It's it's always a friend or a brother or a cousin when you're 15, 14, 16, whatever, and they take you to your first show and it's like, it's so amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's life altering, you know? And, um, Hey, anyway, so I have a v- quite fond memories of uh, traveling a lot to Chicago. Yeah. Do and- you remember, uh, do you remember what the, uh, how, why the, deal didn't end up going through with the dog and everything. I mean, I know that's a number of years ago now. I remember exactly. Everyone thought they had the song and I, I think I did an edit of the song. Um, everyone thought the song was, was really cool. However, the rest of the material didn't support the same kind of high level as that particular song did. So I think that, um, uh, that my Quentin. Okay. <laughs> oh, is that your son? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> COVID. Um, hey, it, it's cool. I have a three-year-old. Oh, uh, my, my son just turned five. What's your, how old is your um, boy or girl? Boy. His, his name is Owen. He'll be four in February. So. Congrats, dude. Thank you. Congrats yeah. to you as well. Constant, right? Total const, constant. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. He's he. I'm actually alone in the house right now. He's at uh, he's at daycare, but um, Lucky you. you know, yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> I I try to do these things while he's away. So <laughs> you I know, apologize for my unprofessionalism. No, 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 no. Don't do. Don't worry about it. I mean, with with where we're at in the world, that's the least of uh, the least of my worries. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the reason was. Uh, my boss didn't think the rest of the material um, supported the nucleus of uh, that one song. And I forgot the name of the song, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, to – it's been so long, and I, I'm sure I know this song too. Oh, yes. Uh, but I was just trying to think of some of the names. I remember um, a song called I Wrote the Book – um, but I don't know if that was like any particular singular song they were pushing. Um, that was a great song, though. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. It's just been so long. But, you know, the dog and everything, once in a blue moon, gets brought up on this podcast. I think this is maybe the second or third time ever in the 120 episodes I've done where they've been brought up. And I always just get so excited when someone else knows <laughs> who they are. Um, just because I remember really loving that band at, you know, 10 or 11 years old um, at, 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 you know, how old I was at the time. Um, but uh, I forget what I was, 
where I was going with that. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I remember, and I don't know, maybe this was more with established artists, and this isn't to discredit you or anyone else that was in the industry at that time, but I felt like, um, and of course, the music industry was completely different back then, but I felt like so many albums sounded like crap um, in in mainstream, not necessarily like records that you were involved in, um, because the records you're involved in, I'm a big fan of, um, but I feel like a lot in pop, like some of the singles were like the only ones that carried the album and everything else was just kind of like, you know, like there was the one song and then everything else just kind of, you know. If you're, if you're, if you're short of using that rhetorically, let me, let, let me answer that. The history of the music business is one song kind of showcases one artist. It's been since the 50s. And those artists who know how to write more than one song have a longer career. So I assume you're talking about when you're, you know, we all did this when we're younger between the ages. I mean, for me, I, I'm, I wasn't as precocious as you. I didn't quite get into music until I was probably 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Uh, the history of the music business is, Look at look at one song and you look at an artist and they're they're very closely attached, whether that particular song pleases your sensory palate or it doesn't. Um, And when we're young, we listen, you know, I remember I was working. I was 16 or 15. I was working at the surf shop here in, in L.A. And I remember being so angry, like because there was this one song on the radio that was so disgusting to me and they played it so often, it drove me crazy. (laughs) So I assume you're talking about some sort of popular music on some sort of popular media modality that you heard all the time and it was synonymous with one artist. Well, that continues to go on. Yeah. Even, okay. So even the bands that I've been associated with, luckily they've had more than one song because I believe that I've, I've helped them or inspired them, mentored them to understand the science of music or the science of writing songs that are popular, but you know, plain white tees gets associated with, Hey there, Delilah, because it's one song, one band. That's just the truth. That's Mm -hmm. Right. History is. Yeah. And well, luckily with, with Plain White Tees, like you just said, they ended up having some other hits besides that song. Obviously, that's the first one that everyone thinks of. But I think the other well-known songs that they had after that, a lot of people don't realize that that's Plain White Tees. They know the song, but they're like, you know, they don't realize Rhythm of Love. They're like, oh, that's Plain White Tees? Oh, like, one, I know two, that song. Four. I love it. You know. Oh, one, two, three, four. Um, yes. same, same with Jimmy World. They recognize the middle, but they don't know sweetness. And they don't know, um, you know, other songs, you know, yeah. um, or Bleed American or what have you. So, um, or, or with Neon Trees, right? They yes. know they know uh, they may know everybody talks but do they know the other songs now most of the time if you actually look at 
again, from a popular perspective, not a, uh, uh, a, a small kind of niche sort of uh, uh, view, most artists are associated with one song. We're yeah. lucky if our favorite artists have one song that breaks a big sort of media. So I guess as I retort or answer your, your statement, it's always been like that, bro. Yeah. I guess, well, I guess what I was just thinking is, is why I, I know albums haven't always been popular because if you do go back to the fifties, right? I mean, you would maybe know, you would probably know a lot more about this than I do, but what was more popular back then was, was singles. And, and I know singles are still popular now, but I feel like people didn't really like start fooling, fully loving full albums until maybe later on. Am, am I wrong with that? You're, you're totally right. But what drives now, this is interesting. Front, you're totally right. From the fifties, it was singles driven, but I want you to know into 2020, it's still singles driven because right. we, we, we release as I'm developing my artists, we're releasing singles. We're not releasing records because that's, it's, it's part of it. It's inherent. It's deeply rooted in the history of music or the history of the music business, but also it's the easiest way to penetrate um, the marketplace. Now, uh, we started listening to albums because the single drove us to the record. And mm-hmm. then once we get to the record, we listen to the record, but the record does not come before the single. It never has. Now, granted, there are small groups of people who like listening to records, who always like listening to records or who currently listen to records. But as I speak to you as a, you know, a guy who makes his living, you know, uh, helping artists have big careers Singles driven. It's always been singles driven. And we're lucky if the single drives a record. But even now, it's it doesn't. It never really has in a big way. And and with even more so now, I it, so would you say in 2020, we were kind of going almost back to that 50 style to where maybe less people are releasing full We've never albums? Or, never you don't think it. we ever? I mean, no, no. I guess it, it, yeah, I I don't know. I I guess maybe in the mainstream that's still the thing, isn't it? Still, I mean, they're obviously pushing singles, but there's usually still an album involved, a well, full yeah, you know, full length album. It's an afterthought. It always see we've gone from I would assume vinyl to cassette, um, eight track, CD, and the the modus operandi of the business part of the music business has always been business. So when, when you get a single, the only way to get that single is to buy the, the CD, to buy the cassette, to buy the vinyl. Yeah. You could probably pick up, you know, a seven inch, but you, you, you bought a, you kind of, they ups, they upsold you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thing about 2020 and 2021 is you don't need to be upsold. You know, you can buy the single, you can buy more songs or stream more songs if you want, or if you don't want, I think that's tremendously um, 
interesting. I think it's tremendously good for the music industry. Um, yes, do, you know, do I like to listen to my favorite records in, 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 in totality? Yes. I don't like listening to London Calling one song. I like to listen to London Calling the whole way through. Right. So, just me <laughs> yeah once I, it's like once you hear one song it's like oh i gotta hear the rest of the record now you and know then you go through it right and then it yeah so check this out then it becomes then it becomes like it changes your state right then that mm -hmm. the record experience is more of an emotional connection rather than an auditory connection i'm sorry i'm getting really fucking weird but no no you're not you're not you're you're explaining it very well suffice it to say i don't think things have changed all that much yes there are people that like records but i think it's always been an afterthought in order to gouge honestly the music business to make more money but mm -hmm. you know, like i said it's it's more even right you you like a record you stream it you, if you don't if you like another song you stream it i think that's healthy do you with the bands you work with now, or let's say a new band comes to you tomorrow, do you um, kind of of push them away from an album or EP release and just focus on singles? Or how? I'm just curious if if you're like, if, yes. you know, have changed your. I I know, like you said, things don't change, but still, even with the new bands you're working with now. I mean, good, good question. I focus them on being prolific, putting out a single once every three to five to six weeks, um, making sure that when they do put out a single, it's as best as they can be. So it's best as it can be. So they look back on it in 10 years and they're proud of it. So they can market it. I, I make sure they understand how to market their songs. So the answer to your question is it's singles. Singles, singles, singles. And at the end of that single process, if you've got 10, 12 songs, maybe you release that record. Maybe you release that record and you add an acoustic record or you add a remix record or you add merch on that or you add something. Um, but even that dude um, is far more difficult than actually releasing singles. In my opinion, releasing singles and being aware of your audience and recognizing what they're liking, what they're not liking and how to build that relationship is crucial. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's almost like even if you do have that, that string of, of singles and you put it on a record, that's almost just kind of like a little bonus is that's almost what you're saying, right? It's just kind of like, you know, here's, here's all those songs on vinyl now. Vinyl. That's right. Know? So and, and which obviously is, is a really popular thing and continues to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I Bleed American is one of my favorite records. So when I, you know, got the the email blast from from Mike at Earshot, I was like, oh, man, like I got to talk to Lauren like this is cool, you know, um, and obviously less than Jake, another one of my favorite bands. Um and that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg with, with your career. But I know with Jimmy Eat World and Bleed American, it's a very interesting story just because of where, 
you know, from the record before that and then making Bleed American, but then they eventually, you know, actually signed a deal with that. And I would just love to hear about that story from your perspective. Uh, okay. So I was at Capitol uh, early on and uh, I was lucky enough to find Jimmy World um, through listening to a split seven inch um, with um, Christy Front Drive, a band from uh, Denver who were really cool. Uh, me and uh, I got some interest from another A&R person, Craig Aronson, um, and we went to see them and we signed them. Uh, we worked on Clarity and we worked on um, Static Prevails together. Um, at the time, Craig, Craig left and I was a consultant. I, I was, uh, was a director of A&R, then I became a consultant. Um, so now they made two records on Capitol. There's a new regime. And they wrote a song called Sweetness, and it was in demo form. And they didn't have a, quote, A&R guy who was looking after them. So I remember going into Harry Watts Russell's office, and I said, uh, I'd like you to listen to a song because I think, I think this is, this is going to be something, this is a taste of what I think this is going to be. And I think it's going to be really special. He and the group of people did not get it. Uh, and they didn't think it was any good. So the band got to happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know it does, but it still, it blows your mind when, when you hear these stories at least it does for me i know you work in that environment but as a person on the outside you hear that and you're like what <laughs> you know i guess it's just because i'm such a big fan of sweetness and that record i mean do you know how many times lady gaga got dropped yeah i know her and and even what katie perry had that same thing and she it, was with capital well you're right you're right she she was on um I mean, anyway, so that, so that's, <laughs> <laughs> I know so, it's so easy to bounce around. So I remember I was in Pasadena. I was on my, and I got a call from both Jim and Zach and they said, Hey, um, we got dropped. What do we do? And I said, what do we do? We make a full record. Mark Trombino is hitting a stride. He's, I can tell he's in the right frame of mind. He's in the right place. Um, I had a studio called Hard Drive Studio run by a genius by the name of Doug Messenger, who has been my friend for 20, 30 years. Um, it's going to be really cheap. You can pay for it with the dollars and the quarters that you've cobbled up with merch sales. We'll make it really, really inexpensive because you have to do it. And they, and I remember, um, uh, I think it was um, Zach saying, well, um, you know, radio doesn't like us. I said, dude, no, you've never given radio a song or songs that can actually work. Let's give it to them. Um, we made Bleed American. And I remember I was a consultant at the time and the same guy who said he didn't like sweetness heard it actually mixed and liked it 
and kind of they asked me to go back to Jimmy World and um, ask them if they want to get re-signed to Capital. Um, lo and behold, thank God they didn't. They went with DreamWorks, and the rest is history. Yeah. Wow. It's just I, I would imagine, obviously, after that, why would they say yes? You know, to <laughs> to go back and you know a- after after such a drop. But like you like you mentioned a few minutes ago, artists got get dropped all the time um and before they have sustainability and even when they do they'll get dropped another uh, i have another situation i developed this band called the unlikely candidates um and we got them signed to uh to atlantic they got dropped um i got them signed to sony um and they had a number one song just just in march called novocaine so um for me dude I really, really want to inspire in my artists uh, a, a, a stick-to-itiveness, an indomitable spirit, um, a, a sense of trying to look at their career in a way that's a bit more logical and realistic rather than fantastic or mysterious. And I also tell them, like, it's not like going to Yale, man. You know, it's not that hard. It really isn't that hard. So um, I'm very proud of the bands, frankly, who just continue to release music and build their relationship with their fans, learn what their fans are really digging, learn what's moving them, what's making them change their state, what's making them sing along to your music, what's making them shake their ass and really try to develop that, that bond. So for for you, when when did you kind of of have that um, that epiphany or that thought of of um, that that abdominal or uh, abominable, excuse me, <laughs> um, thought of just continuing to work? Was it you know after working with so many artists that get dropped and picked up, and where does that come in? I, I've done the research. I've actually done the science that I tell my artists to do. And most artists, if you look back, do not have long careers based on their first record. Usually it takes one to three records in order for an artist to have a real career where they're actually making a living. It takes a minute. Mm-hmm. And we think this is all just, you know, write a hit song, get on the radio and you're famous this is not the kardashians man (laughs) no hell no like Um, get in the get in the van grit your teeth have a good time but do it over and over and over again and if you do it smart you'll you'll be successful but i've done the research i mean i've done i mean i've I've done it i've looked at the majority of popular artists who start as sort of alternative and and they become they go to pop or whatever and the majority of them take about two to five records in order to become you know super popular now again my perspective is i want my bands to to sell a million like i'm i'm shooting for the stars so Mm -hmm. perspective is about a bit different but that's what it takes 
It really does. I completely agree with you on that. So um, what what exactly are, are you doing now? I mean, I know that obviously... You know the cap the Capitol Records days that that's that's been what quite a few years ago uh, since you left there and you know you started your own business um, and ended up developing plain white tees and um, neon trees as well right at that point. Yep. And is that still the the same kind of thing you're doing today, or have you kind of? Yeah. I mean, I started to do something different. I help emerging artists. If they want to have a career in music, I'm the guy. I'm good at it. I love doing it. Um, I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but I love doing it. (laughs) So uh, for, for, let's say, like, like me personally, I have struggles writing songs and someone who struggles writing songs, they hit. I, I hit these these roadblocks. How does someone get out of that? What are some things that you tell people when they have those problems? Okay, those are you talking about a musical roadblock, like you're not coming up with the right um, music, or are you talking about a a vocal roadblock, or are you talk about a lyrical roadblock? Or I mean. All the above. Yeah. Okay. Like what does somebody do when they they hit that that Sometimes writer's block? I would send them I would go on SoundCloud and I would send them a version of chorus snippet of an already done instrumental. I said, Hey, hey so and so, do you like this? Oh, I love it. Okay. Try to do a top line over it. Just sing over it. Oh, they come back to me and they say, oh, I can't really find a, an idea. I said, okay, let's do this. I want you to send me the titles of Billboard number one songs, just the titles. And, if, and I've done it. So if you can't do it, I'll send you 300 Billboard number one titles. Okay. And then they, I send it to them because clearly they're not going to do it. And, uh, they, and, and I said, okay, pick, pick one of those titles that you like. And they say, okay, set me free. Okay. As a title. Okay. Use that title as your chorus. Sing that title at least two to four times. Repeat that. Now you've got your chorus. Now, all you got to do with the verse is set that verse up so it fits the title. That's just one idea I do to help my artists. But that's, I mean, part of anything in a, in a, in a war, you know, are little battles, you know. So these are little battles that we all go through and we have to have the, the grit to get through them. Yeah. I, I know you can't. <clears throat> excuse me. I know you can't give all your secrets away. But uh, I was I was curious about that one. And do so, you always do you always attack songwriting with the same, the, you know, the same formula every single time? Is there an exact formula for you, or it does it is it just all over the place as far as formulas? Okay. So you you uh, I want I want to talk to you about a couple of things. Sure. You say I don't want to give away all my secrets. 
if I gave them away, which I do, I just, I could give you, I could help any artist have a hit song. I've done it. I've done it more than most people you know. Even if I gave them away, here's the problem. Nobody would actually use my advice because they would see my advice. It's so freaking easy. They dismiss it. Happens 99.9% of the time. That's the, that's the retort to your first one. The second one, you call it a formula. I just call it make your fucking life easy, motherfucker. <laughs> Man, I love this. <laughs> so it's, true. it's fucking true. Yeah, yeah. Make your life easier by following some patterns, some constants, some ideas that you see a lot of. Why, why should we as musicians, I'm a musician, I'm a player, I've, I've done it, I've toured, I've gotten record deals. Why must we call it, and I know that's not what you're doing, but pejoratively, a, uh, a rule because we want to feel free and we want to feel like we're being so artistic. But what we're really trying to do is make it easier for you to hear my emotions in a song so it changes your state. And there just happens to be certain frameworks, certain constants that happen with the best of those songs. So why not use them? It's true. Yeah, that makes total sense. I just, I know so many people have have certain like i said formulas that they go by and it sounds like you're just kind of like just do it kind of thing right is that kind of the yeah you know again formula you know what let's just call it a manifesto just think that i'm hitler i'm mussolini and i'm going to give you lauren's manifesto okay okay i'm going to give it to you right now write a song with these four chords in the verse and the chorus the one, the four, the five, and the six in any pattern, but make sure that pattern is the same in the verse and the chorus. Make sure it's at least 125 to, to 130 BPMs. Make sure you have, you use a lot of poetic devices in your lyrics. If you don't know what a poetic device is, look it up. Make sure you have one musical hook throughout the whole verse and the chorus. Make sure you have two lyrical hooks that you repeat in the chorus. You can call that a rule. You can call it whatever you want. What I like to call it, make your life easy. It sounds simple enough to me. <laughs> but but no offense, but people, perhaps you, perhaps others, oh, it's so it's so bad. He's such a weirdo, whatever. It's uh, it's it's I'm so bogged down. It's so whatever. Okay, bog yourself down doing it your way and you will find that if you do do it your way and are successful it will have all the elements of my manifesto so you can either accept it or deny it or call me an asshole i don't care 
But the truth is, if you if you actually analyze the biggest songs in the world, they have a pattern. Yes. Always. There's always a pattern. I mean, that's to, that's how they hook you in. All my favorite songs have patterns. So call them rules, call them patterns. Now, let's go one step further. Our brains have relied on listening to music and adapted to listening to popular music for almost 100 years, about 70, 80 years so the patterns are not even, we're not even conscious, dude. It's, it's embedded in our brains. So anytime an artist fucks with the groove and makes it like, you know, weird and goes from double time to half time, I'm turning off, I'm turning off the, 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 uh, the record player. I'm turning off the, the computer because my brain is used to, James Brown, man. James Brown never stopped that party. My head, my head bobbed in the same way from the first downbeat to the last downbeat. Our brains can only handle a very small amount of information. And when we confuse our brains, we're out of there. We're we're like, fuck that. We want to move. Why do we think music is any different? It's not. Sorry. No, you're <laughs> No, you're all good, man. I uh this is all it's all great stuff. So, I'm I'm a, just by what you're telling me, you, you, do you have a lot of artists that approach you? You tell them these things and they tell you you're crazy? Is that what you're telling me? Um well, the people that actually hire me, they're spending money on me. It's not right. a so that's the great equalizer. You know, I used to do this for free. Mm. And the reason I don't do it for free is because nobody took my advice. And- so now that someone has to go into their pocketbook, it makes them actually do the work. That's the honest to God truth. Cause I would do it for free. If people listened. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to make a living though somehow, right? I mean, well, I do a yeah. lot of other things. I get, I, I have a lot of different things. I'm an A&R consultant at major labels. You, know, you still I, are an A&R. Okay. I wasn't I, sure. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of things regarding music. That's just one aspect of my, of my total, um, business. Um, it's very important to me. Um, I love it. I love that the, the most. I don't like, to be honest with you, getting checks in the mail from songs I own or whatever. That's not that fun. The, what's really fun is seeing an artist go from zero to hero, man. That's, yeah. There's nothing like that. There's I, nothing like that. I would imagine. So if someone comes to you and they say they want to work with you, how do you determine, like, okay, I like this person or okay, I can't take that guy seriously. Like, what, how do you determine those I things? I this way. If, in fact, I know what kind of music they're doing, I have to understand musically what they're doing. That's the one thing. Secondly, I have to really know that I can make a difference in that, that person's life. And three, do we get along? 
that's it. Were there, were or have, have there been any artists that you, you've turned them down, but they keep coming back to you and you eventually say yes. And you're like, why, why didn't I just say no. yes in the first place? I mean, Nope, never, not once. No. It's, it's always that, that gut, that initial gut feeling. No, I've never had any artists that I've turned down that come back to me. Okay. Gotcha. I wasn't, I just wasn't sure. Um, you know, cause I know sometimes that, that happens too, where it's like, you know, you, you keep turning that person down, but then you eventually give them a chance and, you You'd know. be surprised. Nobody comes at me that hard. I wish they would. I wish <laughs> they didn't have the kind of spirit and grit that I do, but um, they don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe after, <laughs> maybe after this interview, they will. You never know. <laughs> so um, now if someone does want to reach out to you about any of your, you know, your services, how do they, how do they do that? What's the first step? Uh, they can re send me an email, Lauren Israel at Gmail. Um, I have a website, laurenisrael.com. All good. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, I think, I think that's, that's good, man. Um, I think that's, that's about, uh, about time. So awesome. but, I uh, thank you very much. I, uh, I enjoyed getting crazy. <laughs> hey, it's cool, man. I hope I asked the, uh, the right questions. You know? So I, there's, there's so many things, um, that I could continue to, to ask you about and talk to you about, you know, especially with obviously earlier on in your career and even the things that you're doing now, um, actually before you go, is there anyone that you're currently working with that you can talk about that you're excited about? Yeah. Check out RX soul, RX soul. And what's going on with RX soul right now? Is it like literally the, the letter yes. R and the letter X, the, little, the letter X space soul. Um, he's just putting out music, you know, putting out music on a regular basis every, every month, you know, building his fan base, building that relationship. Um, but yeah, I'm super, super, super talented dude. Okay, cool. I'll definitely have to check him out. See what, uh, see what that's all about. Well, thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank you, Lauren, for your time. Thanks, Sean. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too, Lauren. Take care. certainly learned a lot today about songwriting about music or the music business i should say and uh i just really appreciate lauren's time that was that was great so lauren i hope you enjoyed being on the podcast just as much as uh, i enjoyed having you here once again if you're interested in any of lauren's services for consulting or, or writing songs developing your craft you can email him at laurenisrael at gmail.com. And once again, that is spelled L-O-R-E-N-I-S-R-A-E-L at gmail.com. 
And be sure to tell him that you listened to the Pop Punk and Pizza podcast and you liked what you heard about what he had to say about the music industry. I know if I was in a band right now, I would uh, I'd want to work with him. Honestly, I I like I liked his I just liked his perspective on things. I really did. So thank you for that, Lauren. And uh, thank you for listening to uh, the podcast. I'm Jacques Lamore once again. It has been great to have you here as a listener and, and hang out with you as always. If you want to keep in contact with what's happening with the podcast, or if you just want to say, hey, you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. If you're in a band, or you're a publicist, a manager, whatever it might be, and you're interested in getting your music played on the podcast or trying to book an interview, you can hit me up with those inquiries and submissions at bangerangradio at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And if you could drop us a review and a positive rating as well, Uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. I would truly, truly appreciate that. And all episodes can now be found on our brand new website, poppunkpizzapod.com, as well as merchandise, which helps fund this podcast. We have limited edition Halloween merch for sale until October 31st, so you can get that at poppunkpizzapod.com. And make sure at checkout, use that promo code POPPUNK to get $2 off your order. Thank you in advance for that. And if you have bought something already, I appreciate you so much. I love you so much for the support here. I am not ready to uh, announce who our next guest is going to be. But if you follow me on socials, um, I'll be announcing who that's going to be soon. So in the meantime, just subscribe so you don't uh, miss the next coming uh, episode which i will say it will be dropping on october 27th so this coming tuesday i'm just not ready to announce the guest yet so have a wonderful weekend and i'll talk to you on tuesday october 27th cheers hey hello it's nice to meet you hey come in and have a slice of pizza hey hello it's nice to meet you hey come in and have a slice of pizza